is decoding the crime verse. 911, what's your emergency? Welcome to Decoding the Crime Verse right here on Active FM. I'm Nalzili. And I'm Danny. And today, Helene, what's the first rule of being a criminal? Don't get caught. No. Don't kill people. Put their bodies in. No. Acid. No. Never write down your crimes. Nobody would do that. That's well, not a rule. This person did do it. They're very smart. <laughs> That was the mistake of this filmmaker who was determined to bring his horror movie to life. This, I like it because it's just like the guy who went in the dating game show. It actually is such an interesting case. Yeah. So the case begins with the suspicious disappearance of John Altinger, who was a 38-year-old who was very well-liked. And so when he went missing, all his friends started to get worried about him and they notified the police on October 17th, 2008 because they'd all received this email that he had run away with this woman to Costa Rica yeah. and they were like, what? And then when they emailed him back, they got no responses. So they were like, no, there's something fishy because they also then went and broke into his apartment and found that his passport was still there and his suitcase and you can't really yeah. go overseas without a, a passport especially when you are doing American TSA. It's not a thing. <laughs> Plus, his red car was missing. They then, well, the police found an email that he, he had received giving him directions to meet this girl in a garage. And this woman's name was Jen. And they were like, well, is this the person he's running away with? Who's this That's Jen weird. Fellow? Okay. So, they followed this clue and found that the garage was rented by Mark Twitchell, 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 that one, Twitchell. He agreed to give them full access and told them that he had rented the garage because he had to store all his film equipment because he was, well, he described himself as this up and coming filmmaker and he explained that the film was about internet luring and how this guy was lured to a garage and ultimately killed. That is so dumb. Like, honestly. I have a garage and my film is about me leading someone to that garage. Yeah, right. Twitchell said that the lock on the garage door had been chained and he did not have a key. But with permission, he allowed them to cut the lock and enter the garage. There was a table and chair and some shelves with some different types of supplies and lots of cleaning supplies. Yeah. They asked him if he had seen John or noticed a red car. He said he hadn't, but they took advantage of his cooperative attitude and asked him to come down to the station to give a proper statement. They also, as a precaution, put the garage under surveillance just in case John showed up. Yeah. He interviewed really well and he apparently answered the questions with logical answers. He wasn't nervous. He was very like calm and like this happened X, Y and Z. Meanwhile, United States Customs confirmed that John had never entered U.S. airspace, which means he could not have flown to Costa Rica. Yeah. So he definitely not left the country. The next step was to search John's apartment and they were basically looking for a sign of struggle or blood or any signs of foul play. The only thing that they found was that it had been broken into, which they did know because the friends had broken in yeah. to f try and see if he would not fall in and hit his head type yeah. of thing. Investigators then requested a warrant for the garage 
that Twitchell rented, but the judge denied it because they actually couldn't prove anything had happened to John. There was no ransom, there was no dead body, he yeah. was just missing. So there was no crime basically that had been committed. They then actually asked Twitchell to sign a consent, which allowed them to search the garage, which he agreed to, and he offered up some surprising information. He claimed that he had forgotten about this on the night, that he had bought a red car wow. from a stranger okay. for $40. Oh, wow. Okay, great. $40. So this guy's running away okay. with someone and sells his car for $40. Sorry, if I'm running away, I'm selling that thing for, for as much as, as, much as, I, as can I can get. Because I'm so running away. Okay. Okay. Twitchell was now the number one prime suspect and was handled with caution because, I mean, like, he now said, no, I did buy the car now. Yeah. He was... It was not... It was fishy. And so... They What's asked, up with this Twitchell guy? They didn't get oh a... No. They didn't get a search warrant. Why did he say yes? No, I don't even know. I feel like he's cooked in the head, but it gets worse. So... They then actually asked him, they're like, listen, do you mind writing down a statement and trying to remember everything that you've forgotten about the night? Try to be as detailed as possible. He wrote for two hours. Like... Pages and pages and pages and pages. And the statement about the red car, and I'll read it, was basically that he was at this gas station getting gas and he'd parked on the side row when and he got a phone call when a guy came up to him and said, knocked on the window and said, do you want to buy a red car off me for $40? He was about six feet tall, brown hair, and told him that he was running away with, I quote, sugar mama and wanted to sell his car. Wow, okay. Okay. By now it was nearly 3 a.m. and Twitchell's story continued and he explains how his friend Josh even had to drive the red car because he can't drive manual. And so they actually sent officers to look for the car. They actually then decided, no, we need to push harder because I was listening to an interview with the detective. He said he had the feeling, he knew this yeah. guy had done something. And they'd been kind of playing like good cop all like oh just tell us what you yeah. remember yeah, but in all in the meantime in the back of the head the cop was like this guy is lying through his teeth so yeah. they decided to push him and they literally said to him listen we know you're involved with the disappearance of john and there was actually a 13 second pause because he actually had frozen he was like oh flip what do i do now and it was this was the first time he actually started to feel and look uncomfortable yeah and the investigator stated because that went on and went on and he actually then said to him trying to like provoke guilt out of him you know you're not going to be able to live with yourself with what you've done i'm alluding to the fact that you've killed john and then he replied you'd be surprised what i can live with so ready they're like okay what there's, the heck, there's yeah. a problem yeah by 6 a.m they'd reached a stalemate as they actually didn't have any reasonable cause to keep twitchell at the precinct and he'd also spoken to his lawyer Meanwhile, the investigators feared that Twitchell might destroy evidence while if they let him out into the world again. So they actually then seized his car, yeah. which he freaked out because they were like, as he was walking out, they're like, oh, by the way, we're taking your car. And he was like, no, please, I have stuff I need to get out. And they're like, you're not touching anything. And that completely freaked him out and he just walked away. On October 21st, the search of the car began, which revealed many surprises. They got the search warrant and they found a map of a hand-drawn map on a yellow sticky note that led from the garage to John's apartment. And they found a knife with blood, which actually was visible blood. So it's not even like they needed a microscope. Yeah. It was visible to the human eye. And they found a laptop. 
Is this guy dumb? He's driving to the police station with all this evidence. No, honest, no, it gets worse. Just wait. I don't know. In the meantime, they also started examining the red car that belonged to John and they also found red blood in the trunk and they began a DNA profile. So they wanted to see if the DNA in the trunk of the car matched the DNA from the knife. Mm. And they estimated it would take about 10 days. I didn't know it actually took that long. Yeah. Apparently 10 days is like earliest. You can wait like 60 days or something stupid. On the fourth day of the investigation, they hit a jackpot with the computer. They had found deleted files on the hard drive, which was a 30 page diary which basically detailed the entire killing of john called the sk confessions which they felt meant serial killer confessions no okay so on the first line of the document it wrote i'm not sure when i decided to become a serial killer but it was a feeling of pure euphoria Oh, so this was his first victim? Yes. Oh, they didn't give him a chance. No, they <laughs> No, this was his first... You'll, I'll explain later, but this is actually the first one he successfully killed. There was oh, someone he attacked, okay. but he then changed his methods. The detectives now needed to sort from fact from fiction because it actually what they described, it actually read like a movie script. Yeah. So... The SK Confessions provided the investigators with a possible hypothesis for the sequence of events. It describes how the narrator, who they then assumed was Mark, set up this website where basically you could get dates with this girl. And this was the Jen character yeah. that John was supposedly meeting. His goal was to lure single men because he's, in his mentality, he believed single men would not go missed. Yeah. Well, be missed. He made arrangements during that afternoon to meet John and gives him the directions to the garage. So they arrange a time to meet. John was excited that he actually arrived early and went in to meet and where he ran into Mark. And then Mark said to him, oh, listen, Jen's out. Come back later. Mm. A few minutes later, John actually received an email from Jen rescheduling their rendezvous. And it actually describes... Mark was having a bit of second thoughts at this point. Yeah. He was like, should I kill him? Should I not kill him? Anyway, John came back on Friday night. And when he got there, the doorway was halfway open and it was dark. And the SK Confessions then document how he had several blows to the back of the head with like lead pipes and how John got up and fought him. When oh, no. Cole, and then eventually it ends with Mark stabbing him with a hunting knife. Yeah. Then he left the body there. And he went home around midnight, snuck into the basement while his wife was still asleep. He has a wife! (laughs) To wash his clothes and then went to bed until the next day when he went to start his cleanup. He placed John on the table and started cutting him up with (gasps) a game processing kit and talks about how he was humming, singing songs, eating potato chips and drinking pop and it literally made it look like he was enjoying himself. I don't know what's going on with this man. He placed the smaller parts into a bag and then he th- spoke about disposing it in water. So he placed it into John's car, the red car. When he realized, oh, flip, I can't drive manual. Yeah. So then he moved it to his own car. That's how the blood originally got into the red car because okay. that's how it got there. He took the bags and now drove around with them for several days, not sure where to dump him because he kept going to rivers and things like that and then would decide, no, I don't like this area. So this is, this is 
like him figuring out this whole serial yeah. killer. Yeah, I've never heard of a serial killer do this. It's basically him having his whole drawing board, and yes. now he's like, oh, I need to change this. Yeah. I need to change. Anyway, he then decided to burn the body, but obviously on TV and stuff, it looks like very easy to burn a body. You actually need a hell of a lot of heat, yeah. which he didn't realize. So he was burning the body; it was taking very long, and actually a fire truck came past him and he thought they were coming to him so he quickly put the fire out and dragged the body inside but it actually had been the fire truck was going to a different fire this is such yeah. a disaster <laughs> like it's going <laughs> so bad the 30 page diary then ended before weird city dumped the body because they had problems with the last couple of pages with the deleted files mm. and they were like guys you need to work on this like they went to forensics they're like we need more we need to know where he dumped the body the SK confessions led investigators to suspect that Twitchells used John's internet accounts to then forge emails and send it to his friends, but obviously he wasn't convincing enough because it raised questions. Yeah. The police then waited impatiently for confirmation on the blood to see if it was John. They needed to match everything, and they were waiting also for the pages, which they did successfully receive. Oh, at this time, Mark was at his home in St. Albert and forensic team then actually found drops of blood in the washing machine as well as on a belt buckle and a pair of jeans. They also went back to the garage and looked with like black lights and stuff and found blood splatter on like the walls and on like certain pipes and stuff, all of which matched the description that um, he had given yeah. in the documents. They also found the drum that he had, that had burn marks, which was obviously what he had used to try and yeah. burn the body. The they then got the final pages and it was four pages and it described how he had dumped up the body in a sewer in the suburb of Edmonton. But apparently that is a very big area. So they yeah. set off on the search, but it was huge and they were actually unsuccessful in finding the body. Now, the thing was, one of the things they were very worried about was being because they hadn't arrested him yet, was that that he could go out and kill again. Yeah. They really thought that from reading this document, this was the making of a serial killer. And if they didn't get him arrested and charged, yeah. he was going to kill someone else. They eventually got the DNA back and it matched the blood in the car to John. Yeah. And Twitchell was then taken into custody. Apparently, he was so scared when he was arrested, he wet his pants. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was charged with first degree murder, but they still didn't know where the body was. The Evidence was so overwhelming that they actually decided to bypass preliminary hearings and went directly to trial, which was scheduled for March 2011. The SK confessions say that John's remains were dumped in a sewer, but that was 5,500 kilometers worth of sewers to look into, yeah. which is a massive amount. And he refused to tell them where the body was. Yeah. They then went a year later and eventually they actually got a phone call from Twitchell's lawyer saying, okay, listen, we're ready to give to it to you. And this was now two years after John had gone missing and it gave him a map with the location of the remains, which is ironically just outside their search radius. When the search was complete, they found a few of the body parts and they were in advanced state of decomposition, which was characteristic as it had been spent years yeah. in water. They were able to identify the remains due to its bone and its teeth, and it matched to John. By the end of the investigation, they worked out that 86% of the SK confessions were based on fact. The jury then condemned Twitchell to life in prison with 
no chance of parole for 25 years. And Mark Twitchell's case, we see that it is a murder with the motive to simply kill for the sake of pleasure. It was not for money yeah, or revenge no. or passion or anything like that. And they honestly believe that he, they caught him on his first murder and they stopped a serial killer before he started. He was do very you think all dumb. serial killers do that? I do feel like they were saying, that there was a psychologist also in this documentary I was watching that was saying that often the first time they make a lot of mistakes okay, and then they go back and fix and every time it gets worse and worse and worse and worse, which is why sometimes I just feel like this guy made too many mistakes. Yeah. Like, dude, don't... Ha- I think... If you're leading him to a garage, don't have it under your own name. Yeah. And then you leave him there and you go home to sleep. But like, I definitely think, I mean, the whole idea of, like, writing it down so meticulously, uh, that's some... Su- you actually went down and you sat about what you did and you typed it out. To some degree, we always say we want to get into their minds. So at I'm least not saying. I'm saying, but how sick do you have I know, to be? Yeah. And, yeah, I, I definitely think he was a psycho. Like... Me too. But good on you, cops, for cop for copying him. For catching him <laughs> before man's turned out to be the next Zodiac killer, you know? Yeah, no, the cops did well. I will say this is a very um amusing case. I know it's a murder. But it's <laughs> like it's so weird. Like I don't know. I like this. I, I liked it because I would love to get my hands on the document. I want to yeah. read it. Like yeah. What was this man saying? But when was he typing? Like through the process. Like That's he leave the thing, body there. Because and then like it was a couple of days later. I mean, did he go home and sit in bed like he's there on his laptop? And his wife, wife like, wakes up. Can I bring you tea? You're working so hard and this guy's writing his murder confession. Yeah. So I'm like, no. That's crazy. Yeah, so I thought it was quite an interesting case. I also thought I really do think the police did a very good job. And they obviously, they realised they had the man. At least they didn't let him go. Yeah. Because they could have let him go. Yeah. But, I mean, stopping a serial killer before he even starts. Yeah. Round of applause to you. Although, guys, don't write your crimes down. Like that's yeah, but he was so dodgy as well. down a confession. He's like, no, don't take my car. There's stuff I need to get out of there. No, but He's that was like another so thing. obvious. No, but that was another thing. Like, he was stupid. Like... Having the garage in his name. Yeah. And having a map literally lying in your car from your your garage uh, to the victim's apartment. Why, when he was washing his clothes, did he not take the knife out and wash it? Why was the knife lifted visible blood in his car? Honestly, don't think he did enough research about murder before he committed his first murder. I don't think he... This is so... I don't even know what to say. This is so weird. It was a very failed attempt yeah. at being a serial killer. I think the train robbers did better than you, sir. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and they, they were bad. And they left their money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me laugh. But that is all for this week. We hope you enjoyed. Guys, don't write down your crimes. Actually, don't do crimes at all. Don't do crimes at all. But from now until next time, no mourners, no funerals. (laughs) It's that simple.
Become part of the family today because radio has never been better with Active FM. This is Radio On Demand. What you want, when you want it. It's Active FM. Radio has never been better, baby. This is Active FM. Go to www.activefm.co.za for more. For more. For more.